Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Adrian Musgrove and it's time for our weekend preview. It's Newcastle versus Bournemouth this Saturday. I'm joined by Lee Ryder and a special guest in BBC Newcastle's Matthew Raisbeck. Uh, thank you, Matthew, for coming in. We're going to do a, a special podcast later on as well on the under-21s at Newcastle. Who could make it in the future as a big star at St James Park? But first of all, like I said, we'll concentrate on Saturday's game against Bournemouth. Lee, potential for Newcastle to get a successive winner to him for the first time since April last year. They're going to come into this game feeling good. Yeah, it's been a while since obviously back-to-back games and... You know, they managed to get back-to-back clean sheets uh, after Southampton and, and Watford. So, you know, things are slowly starting to to get where Rafa Benitez wants them. But, you know, this we've, we've spoken a lot, haven't we, about how they've played the top four, the top five in, in the first few games. And Rafa spoke about how that dented the confidence. But Bournemouth's a very tough game, isn't it? I think, you know, you look at the table, it tells its own story. They did get beat last week, albeit against Manchester United, uh, albeit very late in the game. So a, a tough, a tough fixture awaits. I think it'll be more of the same. Personally, uh, I've seen a few people, you know, saying well, we need to get on the front foot. Rafa doesn't really do that, that sort of thing. I think he'll grind out a result, probably look to suffocate them and and restrict them the chances, and then hopefully look to to polish off whatever they can create at the other end. It's going to be a tough game. When Watford arrived last weekend, everyone was a bit down in the dumps, thinking mm-hmm. Newcastle probably would get beat off Watford. You know, they had a few good results. Truthfully, Watford should have been three or four up in the first half. Newcastle did scrape by, and obviously they got the win. Do you think it'll be more of the same against Bournemouth? Because we, we saw Bournemouth against Manchester United, like Lee says, they were unfortunate to get beat. They should have been maybe three goals up against Man United. Uh, more of the same, do you think? Well, I think Bournemouth are a better team than Watford. If you look at their attacking players, the front four that they will probably have, Ryan Fraser, the little Scottish winger who I think he's got three or four goals this season. You've got Junior Stanislas on the other side who on his day can be a dangerous player. David Brooks, who they got from Sheffield United for I think £11.5 million, Welsh international, looks a really good signing, young player, um, can pick it up, can run, draw fouls. He's somebody that I think Newcastle would have to be really wary of. And then Callum Wilson up front, who scored last weekend. He's in great form this season. I think he's got seven goals already. They've got what Newcastle haven't got, goals and goals from more than one source. And you look at the rest of the team, and I'm sure it's a point Rafa Benitez will make in his press conference. A lot of money has been spent throughout that Bournemouth side. Begovic, the keeper, Ake at the back. Uh, Lerma in midfield who played against England for Colombia at the World Cup you're talking probably £50 million plus on just three players there never mind those in attack so it's a strong team and it's a team that's been in the Premier League for a few years unlike Newcastle who've dropped out and come back in and haven't strengthened to the tune that Bournemouth have so um, of the two I always felt this would be the most difficult but having got the win against Watford 
and overcome all that pain that we'd endured in the first couple of months of the season, you do feel a little bit better about going into it. Um, I felt four points from these two home games would be a good return. A draw on Saturday, and I'm not being negative, I think could at this stage, depending on how the game goes, obviously you might change your opinion, be a, a very useful result. Now, Rafa's got some decisions to make, potentially some uh, players absent through injury, but also some you know, defensive selections just made through the fact that the likes of Fabian Shaw played really well when he came off the bench. You know, from two weeks ago when it was a very gloomy picture on Tyne's side, it's not looking as bad as it was. No, and they've been getting closer and closer really to a result. The games where they have lost, you know, they haven't been turned over. They were, you know, narrow defeats against some very good sides. So I think it's just a case now of building that momentum. I kind of agree with you on the fact that a point would not be the worst result in the world. There will be, you know, easier games to come or less daunting fixtures. Maybe is probably a better way of putting it. Uh, a point is is no disgrace against Bournemouth. You know, if you look at the table rather than the the badge on the shirt, uh, I think you know in the, in the hit tradition of, of each club. Uh, we know Bournemouth have come up through the divisions. Uh, I think a point wouldn't be a bad result, but obviously we, I think everyone in this room wants yeah. wants them to get three points. No one, in, nobody here is suggesting for a minute that uh, we'll be celebrating a point. But uh, yeah, I think it's just Newcastle need to keep up that unbeaten run. Having said all of that, though, just thinking about how Newcastle can get at Bournemouth in the same way that Watford, Cathcart gave them a bit of a chance with a few... Um, mistakes last week and Mariapa also I think has or had a mistake in him you look at Francis and Cook at the back and I remember in the home match last year time after time they were playing each other into trouble in the corner at the Leases and Milburn uh, and just almost giving Newcastle opportunities and I think those two are players that you can really play on and exploit their weaknesses I'm not sure about uh, whether it be Smith or, or Daniels at, at, at left back, maybe there. Um, Newcastle could get some joy. Ake, I think, is a very good defender. But Cook and Francis, they're not particularly quick. Um, and if Newcastle can maybe get Kennedy up against Francis, then then that is somewhere where, as I say, they can get some joy. So I think there's, there's ways in which you can go about getting the better of them. Um, but they are a very good team. And I, I, I like the way you put that. If you look at the, the, the table, not the badge on the shirt, because you would think that Newcastle United against Bournemouth would be and should be a home banker. But they've come up here and won twice in the Premier League. McLaren's final match when they got a 3-1 victory. And then last season with that injury time header from Steve Cook, who have just been talking about at the other end while he went up for a corner and headed the winner. So it's not been a fixture that Newcastle have had much joy in either in, in what Premier League times in, in recent memory. Is it, looking at Bournemouth, should it kind of come as a warning maybe to Mike Ashley? Because often when we talk about the the difference between clubs spending in the Premier League, the size of clubs, the comparison between Bournemouth and Newcastle is often made. And obviously when Newcastle went down, Bournemouth didn't. And that's when that, the first round of that really big TV money came in. And you're looking there, Bournemouth, I think six in the league, like you say, spent a lot of money. Should Mike Ashley be maybe just sitting there and thinking, okay, we don't want to miss out on this again. Well, that, that's it. I mean, there's there's kind of differences between the, the finances at both clubs. I mean, for a start, Bournemouth haven't got a you know, 100 million plus loan to pay back to the owner. Uh, I think he's very old school down there, but they have made a lot of money 
um, from being in the Premier League and the fact that I think they were in administration at one stage, weren't they? So all their debts were kind of flushed out at, at one point. So, but really, you know, when you, you look at potential Bournemouth, you know, have got better vision than Newcastle, whatever you, whatever way you look at it. Um, Newcastle had the vision to go and get Rafa Benitez, but then they haven't backed exactly everything that he wanted. Um, the forward thinking side Bournemouth and what for me what I really like about them is they've got a really good sort of core of young players mm-hmm. coming through and that they've kind of you know got the scouting right and Brooks who you mentioned is a very uh, very good player in terms of box to box he is going to be the danger man he's playing without fear at the moment because he's that young he doesn't really know what fear is almost mm-hmm. so y- you look at that I mean on the plus side for Newcastle you know, Bournemouth will be coming up here, and when they're when those players go out on the pitch before the, the stadium fills up, and they start having a look and taking pictures on the mobile phone, whatever they they do these days, um, they will see those huge stands, and and they'll they'll realise that this is not your average game. So it'll be tough for them as well. Um, but really, Newcastle they've got to stick to stick to the beliefs and stick to what Rafa has been telling them, and they can achieve something out of it. I suppose off the pitch, one of the biggest things you could probably point to is the fact that uh, Bournemouth went out and spent, I think, £25 million on, on Nathan Ake. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Kennedy for Newcastle maybe was quoted a similar price and Newcastle kind of uh, <laughs> winced at that and brought him back on loan. I, you know, I mean, that shows maybe the, the difference in ambition there. Spending power and a desire to spend the money that they have. And when Newcastle, in the recent Fans Forum meeting minutes, talked about how they do deals for players that leave and they accept payments in instalments to get more over a longer period. When they sign, they pay the fee up front. They are limiting their spending power. It's a conscious decision to you know, not pay as much, but to get more in for players that they sell. But it leaves you with less at that particular moment to, to spend on players. So... Look, <laughs> I think the criticism of the transfer policy at Newcastle is, is something that we've we've heard and we've probably all delivered at times over the last few years. We know what it is. Not many people like it, but that's what they've got. Clubs like Bournemouth do it another way and they are really reaping the rewards. Ake, I'm sure, is somebody that Rafa Benitez would have liked. And actually, when we interviewed him ahead of the Watford match, he said... We know the Watford team, we wanted to sign some of their players. I'm sure if we ask him the question again about Bournemouth, he'll say exactly the same, because why wouldn't he want some of their players? And of course they would make a difference to Newcastle's team and bench. Brooks is, a, is the example, isn't it? £11.5 million from Sheffield United. Well, why couldn't Newcastle be in for a player like that? Wages have been a problem at Newcastle. You would think that a, a young player like Brooks wouldn't be commanding huge money every week, every month. So it was probably a deal that they could have done. I don't know whether they're in for him or not, but it's just another example of Newcastle missing out and other clubs that you would say are smaller nipping in there. And now they've completely overtaken them in the table. And you have to admire Bournemouth and other clubs like that for how they do it. But I think it again just highlights where Newcastle are, are falling short. I don't want to... On- dwell on the transfer policy too much but you mentioned there David Brooks 11.5 million it's, is it about taking that gamble you know we saw Madison at Leicester City now do you think in a way Newcastle may have been stung by the, the, the Jacob Murphy incident because mm-hmm. you know let's face it he hasn't hit the ground running and he's what come up to two years now and by all accounts you know he's not impressing Rafa Benitez 
quite like Murphy when I've seen him and he's better when he started matches and he's been better against the better teams. teams as well. Maybe it's just something about the way Newcastle are set up specifically in those matches that, that enables him to do his best work. But I take your point. Um, they paid money up front and then there's more to come. So yeah, maybe they have feel like they've had their, their fingers burned perhaps and they don't want to go in for what would have been potentially a similar deal. But you do have to take chances don't you want players like that? Madison, a great example, someone who's gone into Leicester and he's been tremendous. And Josh Murphy as well at Cardiff seems to have um, been making a bit of a difference for them in recent weeks, particularly with the points they've been picking up. So um, hindsight's great though, isn't it? And how many of us six months ago had heard of this player in particular and would have thought he'd be perfect for Newcastle. He's gone into Bournemouth and maybe, as you said, Lee, the fact that they've got a lot of young players there, a nice core, maybe that just suits him. Maybe mm. the manager as well is good for that type of player and, and whatever it is, it's just the right fit because we've all seen good players, young players go places, often Newcastle, and it just hasn't quite come together. Yeah. Um, and and it works for them elsewhere. I think with Bournemouth as well, is, is the, the expectations are a lot different to Newcastle, and it, that sort of environment will suit a player like Brooks because it, it's a it's a lovely little club, isn't it? And mm. so you go there and you get a really warm welcome, and the people down there are really friendly, as friendly as up here, of course. But I think for a young player going in, we just mentioned there looking around the stadium with those four huge stands at Newcastle. The expectation, you know, you go, go out in the city with your Newcastle United tracks on as a player, you're not going to get much shopping done. You're going to be getting stopped every every five minutes, basically, for it's a selfie. character. It's, yeah, exactly. So, Bournemouth, I think you can get lost there, basically. You know, it's not as... Uh, it's, it's not as... Expectations aren't as high there. So, I think, really, that's possibly one of the reasons why he's blended in there. Then you come with Jacob Murphy, who hasn't really sort of hit the ground yet at Newcastle. The ironic thing is, is that Newcastle's policy is actually meant to be mm-hmm. signing young players um, and bringing them in and, you know, hopefully making a profit in the future. That's what they're all about. The The blueprint isn't quite public as it used to be when they came out and said, we're not trying to sign marquee players anymore or players past the, the, the peak years of the career. But basically, they're looking for younger players. So, it's just a little bit sad that Murphy hasn't been able to, um, you know, do the business so far. Fingers crossed. He comes up trumps. Both of you guys were at the, the foundation dinner um, on Tuesday. And Nicole Van Clark getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. You spoke to Benitez Lee um, prior to the dinner. I mean, he was in a good mood, I take it? Yeah, I mean, you could just you could just feel around the whole club uh, from the minute you walked in the door, the minute you left. Uh, all the staff, I mean, it's a massive operation up there. Um, you could just feel the tension. It, it really eased around the place. And everyone was in a really good mood, starting with the manager. Um, he was basically, you know, talking, you know, about the merits of the win, but also, you know, about how they've got to keep it up and they can't, you know, pardon the pun, go keep going to dinner on that one victory and. Uh, you know, you look at, the, you know, around the room with some of the players that were there, you know, the, the entertainers, Andy Cole, Beresford, Lee Clark, Rob Lee, people like that. And it just brought back, you know, memories of the really good old days. So hopefully there's a few more wins for, for the club to celebrate um, this season. And did you feel with the players, I know you spoke to some of them as well, that they were in a, a much better mood than they might have been had they lost to Watford? They all acknowledged that. Uh, they said that, Look, they were trying to remain confident and optimistic before getting the win, but it does 
it does change the mood. Of course it does, because uh, they'd waited so long for him. As Lee said earlier, they'd been really close in previous weeks. Um, they all were happy to be there as well. With the manager, though, they left just before 10 o'clock because they had training the following morning. So uh, everyone on their best behaviour. But the players were on stage uh, to give out some of the awards to the very deserving recipients um, and you know all of them feeling quite relaxed few jokes from Perez and Fernandez who were who were up there uh, both with fantastic English um, it does feel like these players get on and like each other and the team spirit the bond that's been there and it is still largely the same squad that got Newcastle up from the championship with a few players added in um, is one of the, the major strengths that's something Rafa Benitez has worked on wants to keep intact he has done um, and Benitez himself said that it was important to be there at the foundation dinner their 10th anniversary fundraising dinner um, not just as the manager of Newcastle United but as a person as well and that all of his players or those that were there I think there was 8 or 9 of them were happy to be there because they recognise that things like that are important uh, and I think that is appreciated by the foundation, but also by Newcastle United supporters as well. This is a good group of players, good lads, uh, who all get it. They all understand, and of course, we know the manager does as well. Oh, definitely in a fully deserved cause. You'll speak to Rafa Benitez tomorrow uh, at his press conference. So injury-wise, I mean, what would you see? What's your, the latest understanding on on Shelby, Lascelles, and, and Muto? I think. Obviously, we spoke to Rafa the other night, and he said Lascelles had done some light training. Um, Shelby has had a scan, so he, for me, would be a big doubt. I think he'd be touch and go to play. Muto seems to be okay, um, but with all three, what you've got to really think about is you've got an international break coming up. Um, that'll be a real opportunity for them to to recuperate. Will Rafa Benitez risk any of them if they're not one hundred percent in this game? Um, and and because let's be honest, if you look at the squad, losing any any one of those three for a long period of time will really damage the team. So I think there are players ready to come in on the sidelines who we've already spoke about. So you know, for me, potentially all three of them could miss out. But I suppose like you say that the plus is that you've got Key who could replace yep. Shelby. Shaw, who could replace Lascelles, and then you would think, even if maybe if Muto is fit, you'd probably see Perez back anyway in that number ten role. Yeah, it's a possibility. I think with Muto, it's such a shame because he's he's just kind of starting to get a, a bit of a rhythm going. Seems like a, he's he's got everything that that he needs. Basically, you know, he can get a goal, he can attack them. He was doing quite well up until the point where he picked up the injury. So it's a, it's a bit of a shame. For me, Perez maybe, you know, might be a better impact player. Mm. It might not be a bad thing if Muto's fitting Perez on the bench because, you know, there's less pressure pressure on Iosi. Looking at the squad there, as you have, um, it's interesting that the subs last week helped change the game, turn it into Newcastle's favour. Fabian Scher was excellent when he came on. <laughs> really, really good. Um, Almost surprisingly so, but just because we haven't seen that much of him in a Newcastle shirt. Key, we know, uh, got the free kick, took the free kick, went for goal, went in off Perez, who scored, but Key's all-round game was good. Um, And if the three players that have got injuries don't make it, the bench will be lighter and weaker 
this week yeah. and they relied on the bench last weekend against Watford. So that could potentially be an issue because if they need to change it against Bournemouth to get back into it or to go on and win it, then Rafa Benitez might, I guess like he did against Brighton, I think, when he only brought Hosselu on, might look behind him and think... I'm running out of, of options here. But we've been talking about Jacob Murphy. You think that he would probably come back into the squad at the weekend if some of the players with knocks don't make it. Um, and your other point about the international break. Well, it was Bournemouth at home last season, wasn't it, when Lascelles went off injured and then missed three or four weeks. And in that time, Newcastle shipped four at Man United, three at Chelsea. And it was part of their winless run uh, in the winter um, you obviously wouldn't want to see the skipper out for any extended period of time. But the good point is, going back to what you were saying, Andrew, the players that came in last week did so well. I think that as well as the result lifted everybody because we'd felt that Key, he wasn't involved. Why wasn't he involved? Is he not good enough? Is there a problem? Well, he's gone and demonstrated what he can do and reminded us actually what he can do in the Premier League. Perez got off the mark, the top scorer last season and a player who got 12 goals the year before as well in the Championship and, and Cups also. And then Cher, bargain signing really, coming in and emphasising the point that central defence is probably the strongest area of the Newcastle squad. So all in all, last week was really good. Um, it just remains to be seen if they can build on that feel-good factor, but also uh, what who Rafa Benitez will have to choose from. I suppose the other positive as well is that the, the players who are usually in that starting eleven will look at the players who came in last week and go, oh, actually, you know, there is a bit of competition for my players. So obviously, when Lissas is fully fit, we're not saying, you know, Shaw would come straight in, but he'll be thinking, you know what, he, he is a good defender. He will be keeping me on my toes. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, we, we spoke to Sure in the, in the summer, over in Portugal and you know he came here and he you know he actually thought he was going to be get regular time he hasn't had that uh, he was a regular player in, in La Liga last year as I mentioned in the last podcast played in the World Cup for Switzerland he didn't come here to sit on the bench or sit in the stands uh, you know he's a 26 now isn't he I think Sure. Yeah. So you know he's he's not one of the younger players. He's he's approaching his peak years. He will want to play regular football. So it's just it's just another chance, uh, another opportunity for him this weekend if if he gets in ahead of Lascelles and then be looking to to hold on that place because you've got Lejeune as well coming back uh, and with Fernandez coming in. You know Newcastle by the end of the season could be spoiled for choice in that centre back position and. Uh, where does Lascelles fit into that if Lejeune and Fernandez are in fine form never mind sure so. and you've got Kieran Clark as well who's Kieran scored Clark, a goal yeah. this season and been an important player for Newcastle in the last couple of years and um, he played at left back at Forest in the cup he's not a left back he's a centre half I know he's been ill uh, which is why he hasn't been in the squad but you know players like Kieran Clark are important to Newcastle and important to Rafa Benitez for their attitude and for what they've done so um, you just wish they had those options up front or on the wings <laughs> or something. And then a lot of Newcastle's ills and problems just wouldn't exist. Definitely. I mean, for the rest of the side, are we, we thinking similar? Uh, Kendi, Richie on the wings, Diarmi keeping his place and then Rondon up top? Yeah, I mean, you are looking at, at, at something like that, really. You know, where where can they genuinely improve with the players that have been left out? You know, I, I think... By the end of the game, it was almost. Or by the end of the last two games, it was almost Rafa's 
pretty much he, he tried he's tried everything this season pretty much the only one he hasn't really tried is is Sean Longstaff he hasn't given him a, an opportunity and there's obviously reasons for that because he's a young player but uh you know he's just trying to get the best out he's trying to get that work ethic um out there and you're not you're never going to see you know the flamboyant attacking football under Rafa especially with the players he's got um I think he said before there'll be a time and place where you know we can play that type of football but at the minute it certainly isn't it while you know trying to get these points on the board there's no way they're going to go for the throats of teams and if Shelby misses out as well I think it'll be a shame for him personally because <clears throat> he'll be up in midfield against Lewis Cook of Bournemouth a player that was on the standby list for England wasn't he for the World Cup in the summer he got one cap uh, he won it in March got called up while Shelby was playing well in a Newcastle team that was winning and I think we probably all agree that Shelby has deserved another crack at England to uh, add to the six caps that he got, all of them under Roy Hodgson. And he's been overtaken by players like Lewis Cook, who um, is obviously a nice footballer, but like many English midfielders, can't do what John Joe Shelby does. Um, And I think it would just be a shame because maybe for him, I mean, he's a highly motivated individual anyway, John Joe Shelby, but it would perhaps give him a little bit of an edge just to, again, prove the capabilities that he's got and actually put him in a midfield against these players that are getting called up ahead of him. Different types of players, I know, uh, just to show that, look, he is somebody that can can make a difference for Newcastle and could, if he was given the chance, make a difference for England. So, like I say, I think it'll be a shame for him personally if he if he misses out. Well, certainly just a key player then that you think Newcastle really need to watch for? At the weekend? Yes, at the weekend. Well, sorry. I would say Callum Wilson for, for me. I mean, seven goals says it all. He's actually a player that was on Newcastle's radar as well not that long ago. I was glad you said that because now I can <laughs> roll out some stats um, thanks to Opta. Only Harry Kane has scored more away goals than Callum Wilson this season. Uh, Wilson's on four and Wilson has been involved in 10 goals uh, in 11 Premier League games this season, six goals, four assists. I mean, like you say, I mean, he is, he is the danger man for for Bournemouth. And, and has come back from a, a bad injury as well. Um, so that shows you what type of character he is. You know, he's very resilient, um, doesn't give up easily. So Newcastle are going to have to, you know, really pay full attention to him. But as you mentioned, there's a few others. It's going to be how Bournemouth deal with, you know, being up here and... You know, we we talk about every, but the crowd is going to be so crucial. In Newcastle, I know they can't go on there and put the ball in the net, but they can frighten the life out of the opposition when they when they when they're loud. They were loud against Watford. Yeah. I've heard them a lot louder as well. Uh, you know, you know that the atmosphere. There's certain levels that the atmosphere can get right up to you. It, it they've got to respond to what's happened on the pitch, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that w- one day the opposition are going to be completely frightened out of their life and hopefully it's it's this weekend and really turn turn things up. We've talked at length about David Brooks. Um, hopefully he'll have a, a shocker now um, <laughs> because of the commentators. Uh, Ryan Fraser on the left-hand side. So he got five or six himself? Yeah, I think he's got f- might have four, four goals this mm-hmm. season. He got a couple in their win over Leicester at home. Um, he's quick, nippy. I, I think he can be a dangerous player. Um, 
and you look to the bench and you'll probably see Jermaine Defoe, who hasn't figured that much, hasn't started in the Premier League this season. Uh, he's got a tremendous record against Newcastle for all the clubs he's played for. Um, Dan Gosling? Dan Gosling, yeah, he's, he's there as well. I mean, he, he got the equaliser, didn't he, um, on the South Coast in February. So, obviously, there's players there that have hurt Newcastle in the past, but Fraser, Brooks, Wilson, Stanislas, and I just... You just worry if it's nil-nil like it was last year. They brought Defoe on. I think he won the corner that led to the goal. Um, he could inflict more suffering on Newcastle. But as always at St James's Park, isn't it? It's got to be about what Newcastle do. Got to be mindful of what the opposition are, what they're about, how they play. But the building block was put in place last week and they've got to hopefully add another one uh, this Saturday as I said, I think it'll be a more difficult game than Watford. A draw wouldn't be a bad result, but if they could win, I mean, that would it would be a week that it would have would have had a transformative effect on the season. Almost certainly. Just before I ask you both for your score predictions, a few of those stats, interesting stats. Five of the last seven goals scored uh, in Premier League fixtures in this in this game have been scored in the 80th minute or later, which refers back to the, to the last home game there when they did score a late winner um, and they got, got two in the last 10 minutes um, yes it was 2-0 yeah, yeah. <laughs> that season another 2-0 lead away from home that, that was didn't last that was just unbelievable yeah that. and Bournemouth <laughs> are looking to secure three consecutive away league wins for the first time ever in the top flight they've won they've won three out of the five away games this season uh, they won I think just four um, last season away so Eddie Howe's done a done a fantastic job, um, and just finally Newcastle um, have only lost th- their first three home top flight meetings against one other opponent. Um, do you know who that is? You're saying top flight, so maybe that's pre Premier League. Yes, well, well, well before. Uh, a little closer to home, well, very close to home, in fact. Sunderland. Yep. Sunderland won their first four visits to Newcastle between April 1899 and September 1901. We weren't there, but as you were. So <laughs> the depressing start all the same. <laughs> yeah. But fingers crossed uh, that won't happen on Saturday. Your score predictions and lads? Well, I think it'll be a home win. Uh, I predicted that with Watford last week, so hopefully they can get it. But again, I think if it's going to be one, it'll be a narrow, narrow home win. And for you? I went for nil-nil at Southampton and I thought it would be nil-nil against Watford. <laughs> I'm going to go for another draw. I think it'll be one apiece um, as much as we all want Newcastle to win and, and I do think that they can. Um, something in the back of my mind is is making me think that they're not going to get away this week with three points. Uh, I think it'll be a draw and I think it'll be a a decent point ahead of the break and then a, a Monday night at Burnley, a match that they can and hopefully will win. And I'm sure that'll be a thriller like last season as well. <laughs> and there's a prediction for you. Where will Newcastle be on match of the day? Which position? Well, they've been last of quite the last. Been, I think they've been last. Week, la- I, I may be wrong. I think they've been last four times out of the last five. I think Alan Shearer needs to have a word. Uh, well, thank you very much for joining us. You can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up with date, all the latest Newcastle United news and, of course, all the, the uh, match live coverage on Saturday.